welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and all of your brothers and sisters in spirit. If that be so, then let us express those higher qualities more often to ourselves, to others, and to all life around us. But most importantly, to our very own mighty I Am Presence. For it is the spirit of the living God dwelling within us. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. By the word of Elohim were the seven Elohim, manifest, even the seven spirits of God, in the order of their precedence, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of righteousness, and the spirit of divine awfulness. All these are co-equal and co-eternal. Each has the nature of the whole in itself, and each is a perfect entity. And the brightness of their manifestation shineth forth from the midst of each, as will within wheel, encircling the white throne of the invisible trinity in unity. These are the divine fires which burn before the presence of God, which proceed from the Spirit and are one with the Spirit. He is divided, yet not diminished, He is all, and He is one. For the Spirit of God is a flame of fire which the Word of God divideth into many, yet the original flame is not decreased, nor the power thereof, nor the brightness thereof lessened. Thou mayest light many lamps from the flame of one, yet thou dost in nothing diminish that first flame. Now the Spirit of God is expressed by the Word of God, which is Adonai, for without the Word the will could have had no utterance. Thus, the divine will divided the Spirit of God, and the seven fires went forth from the bosom of God and became seven spiritual entities. They went forth into the divine substance, which is the substance of all that is. Now the divine substance is the great deep, that is the first protoplasm. She encircles and embraces all things, and of her are dimension, and form, and appearance. Her veil is the astral fluid, she is the soul of individuals and the receptacle of the divine nucleus. Now the divine substance is not matter, but she is matter in its potential essence. She is the manifestation of personality, enclosing the divine nucleus. There are some entities which remain forever invisible and intangible, being constituted only of two elements, that is of spirit and of soul. These are fluidic beings, changing their external forms according to the will of the spirit which they have received. They are persons, because the plasmic substance which envelops the spirit of each, hinders the intimate union of that spirit with other spirit. Spirit alone is diffuse, and the naked flame is liable to fuse with other flames. But the flame which is enclosed in substance has become an indiffusible personality. Other entities there are which are visible and tangible to material sense. For the divine substance which encloses the spirit of each, coagulates exteriorly and becomes matter in the outermost. So that the entity is composed of spirit, soul, and corporeal appearance. 
The outermost has become coagulate, its inner content is fluid substance, its innermost is spirit. The innermost is intangible light, which is the first generation, manifest by the will of God through the word of God. The fluid medium is the firmament, which the will of God divided from out of the great deep. And the outermost is the dry earth, which is matter, which the will of God causeth to appear by the gathering together of the waters, that is of the first protoplasma. As of the greater, so also of the lesser. This is the great secret, it is the mystery of generation. Now of these two kinds of entities, invisible and visible, there are innumerable varieties and orders, having different functions, consistence, form, and tinctures, and dimension. There are thrones, and dominions, and principalities, and powers. There are Christs, and prophets, and saints, and congregations of the elect. And concerning these the Spirit shall give you discernment hereafter. Many are the thrones which the Holy Spirit of Elohim hath vivified. They are centers of systems, bonds of graces, trees of life, sons of many worlds. And the color of them is the color of the ruby and of the fire, and their name is, in the Hebrew, Uriel, and in the Greek, Phoebus, the bright one of God, to whom are committed the dominion of the highest sphere, and the demonstration of the reason of all things which are manifest. The spirit of whose being is the spirit of wisdom, which is the first of the holy seven. Many are the angels who serve in the courts of the spheres of heaven, but thou, master of light and of life, art followed by the Christs of God. And thy sign is the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and of the just made perfect. Whose path is as a shining light, shining more and more unto the innermost glory of the day of the Lord God. Thy banner is bloodred, and thy symbol is a milk-white lamb, and thy crown is of pure gold. They who reign with thee are the hierophants of the celestial mysteries, for their will is the will of God, and they know as they are known. These are the sons of the innermost sphere, the saviors of men, the anointed of God. And their name is Christ Jesus, in the day of their initiation. And before them every knee shall bow, of things in heaven and of things on earth. They are come out of great tribulation and are set down forever at the right hand of God. And the Lamb, which is in the midst of the seven spheres, shall give them to drink of the river of living water. And they shall eat of the tree of life, which is in the center of the garden of the kingdom of God. Clothed with the Sun, by Anna Kingsford, 1889. Isis Unveiled, Chapter 14 The name Kaberi may be a derivation from Abir, Great, Ibir, an astrologer, or Shabir, an associate, and they were worshipped at Hebron, the city of the Anakis, the giants. The name Abraham, according to Dr. Wilder, has a very Kaberian look. The word Haber or Gaber may be the etymological root of the Hebrews, as applied to Nimrod and the Bible giants of the sixth chapter of Genesis, but we must seek for their origin far earlier than the days of Moses. The name Phoenician affords its own proof. They are called Phoenicians by Manathau or Ph. Anakis, which shows that Anakis or Anakim of Canaan, with whom the people of Israel, if not identical in race, had, by intermarriage, become entirely absorbed, were the Phoenicians, or the problematical Hyksos, as Manathau has it, and whom Josephus once declared were the direct ancestors of the Israelites. Therefore, it is in this jumble of contradictory opinions, authorities, and historical olipodrita that we must look for a solution of the mystery. 
So long as the origin of the Hyksos is not positively settled we can know nothing certain of the Israelitish people who, either wittingly or otherwise, have mixed up their chronology and origin in such an inextricable tangle. But if the Hyksos can be proved to have been the Pali shepherds of the Indus, who partially removed to the east, and came over from the nomadic Aryan tribes of India, then, perhaps, it would account for the biblical myths being so mixed up with the Aryan and Asiatic mystery gods. As Dunlap says, the Hebrews came out of Egypt among the Canaanites, they need not be traced beyond the Exodus. That is their historical beginning. It was very easy to cover up this remote event by the recital of mythical traditions, and to prefix to it an account of their origin in which the gods, patriarchs, should figure as their ancestors. But it is not their historical beginning which is the most vital question for the world of science and theology. It is their religious beginning. And if we can trace it through the Hyksos, Phoenicians, the Ethiopian builders and the Chaldeans, whether it is to the Hindus that the latter owe their learning, or the Brahmins who owe it to the Chaldeans, we have the means in hand to trace every so-called revealed dogmatical assertion in the Bible to its origin, which we have to search for in the twilight of history, and before the separation of the Aryan and Semitic families. And how can we do it better or more surely than through means afforded us by archaeology? Picture writing can be destroyed, but if it survives it cannot lie, and, if we find the same myths, ideas and secret symbols on monuments all over the world, and if, moreover, these monuments can be shown to antedate the twelve chosen tribes, then we can unerringly show that instead of being a direct divine revelation, it was but an incomplete recollection or tradition among a tribe which had been identified and mixed up for centuries before the apparition of Abraham, with all the three great world families, namely, the Aryan, Semitic, and Turanian nations, if so they must be called. H.P. Blavatsky The Teraphim of Abram's father, Terah, the maker of images, were the Kabiri gods, and we see them worshipped by Micah, by the Danites, and others. Teraphim were identical with the Seraphim, and these were serpent images, the origin of which is in the Sanskrit Sarpa, the serpent, a symbol sacred to all the deities as a symbol of immortality. Kian, or the god Kivan, worshipped by the Hebrews in the wilderness, is Shiva, the Hindu, as well as Saturn. The Greek story shows that Dardanus, the Arcadian, having received them as a dowry, carried them to Samothrace, and from thence to Troy, and they were worshipped far before the days of glory of Tyre of Sidon, though the former had been built 2760 BC. From where did Dardanus derive them? It is an easy matter to assign an age to ruins on merely the external evidence of probabilities, it is more difficult to prove it. Meanwhile the rock works of Erd, Peridus, Marathas, resemble those of Petra, Baalbek, and other Ethiopian works, even externally. On the other hand, the assertions of certain archaeologists who find no resemblance between the temples of Central America and those of Egypt and Siam, leave the symbologists, acquainted with the secret language of picture writing, perfectly unconcerned. He sees the landmarks of one and the same doctrine on all these monuments and reads their history and affiliation in signs imperceptible to the uninitiated scientist. There are traditions also, and one of these speaks of the last of the king initiates, who were but rarely admitted to the higher orders of the Eastern Brotherhoods, who reigned in 1670. This king of Siam was the one so ridiculed by the French ambassador, de la Loubert, as a lunatic who had been searching all his life for the philosopher's stone. One of such mysterious landmarks is found in the peculiar structure of certain arches in the temples. 
The author of The Land of the White Elephant remarks as curious, the absence of the keystone in the arches of the building, and the undecipherable inscriptions. In the ruins of Santa Cruz del Quiche an arch corridor was found by Stevens, equally without a keystone. Describing the desolate ruins of Palenque and remarking that the arches of the corridors were all built on this model, and the ceilings in this form, he supposes that the builders were evidently ignorant of the principles of the arch, and the support was made by stones lapping over as they rose, as at Akosingo, and among Cyclopean remains in Greece and Italy. In other buildings, though they belong to the same group, the traveler found the missing keystone, which is a sufficient proof that its omission elsewhere was premeditated. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 14 Now I come to something that the outer world doesn't understand, except in a very hazy way as certain activities have come down through the historical events of time. What do you think would be the reaction of a group of people of the outer world if I were to suddenly come, or any of the seven mighty Elohim, where we stand 14, 15 feet high, and we would just suddenly manifest and control a group of people, what do you think would be the reaction of the human creation in those individuals? Fear. And when that fear is released by the light in an individual, and that life bound in the outer self in discord fears the love and the light of eternal perfection, where do you suppose victory is? Where do you suppose the fulfillment of the divine plan is? What do you suppose is the destiny of life when people fear that which is of love, what hope is there for them until they are purified? That is why the mighty Saint Germain gave the use of the violet-consuming flame, and the Elohim of the violet-consuming flame governs the violet flame to this world, and is the violet flame heaven on earth to which you have called, and of which the mighty Saint Germain is master, and in which you cannot feel any discord. Wouldn't it be a relief to go somewhere where you couldn't feel any distress? Wouldn't that be at least variety from what you are experiencing? I think so. So, if you'll begin to experiment with filling yourselves with my Herculean heart flame sacred fire loves purifying peace and all protecting perfection, inside of you, that I know makes you victorious within and around, when you begin to experiment with that, you will give me an opening to increase it in and around you. And your beloved I am presence will be grateful for eternity that you will let it expand perfection through you, fulfill the divine plan, and help the rest of life to ascend as you gain your own. Blessed ones, there is no failure. There is nothing that can't be accomplished by that sacred fire which we direct. Mankind needs to become acquainted with it and know what it wants and know that every life stream in existence can call it forth within the outer self, can use it, can expand its perfection through the outer self, can give it to the rest of life, and wherever that comes, discord cannot be. That ought to be a relief to mankind's present way of life. Beloved Elohim Hercules From tonight, if you'll feel me closer and closer within and around yourselves, you will give me an opportunity to call forth the Elohim angels, and you'll find the star angels are very real, tangible beings, whose perfection and power are indescribable. Only as you see them and feel their love, and feel them control physical conditions around you, only as you see that, can you realize how great they are, and I want you to become acquainted with them. If the outer world doesn't believe it, that's just too bad. That's the outer world's mistake, that's all. We have these blessings to give. They're in the universe. They are the divine plan fulfilled, and mankind cannot get free without them. 
The blessed Jesus and the beloved Mary came. They took away the hate and the doubt and the fear from a certain proportion of mankind, in order to leave in the atmosphere of earth the record of the destiny of life, and the attainment that each life stream could reach up and enter into, for freedom from discord. Beloved Master Jesus set the eternal etheric record. Beloved Saint Germain gave the violet-consuming flame to purify the human creation that enslaves mankind to the second death. And I come to bring the Herculean love that can clear the way inside of you and, if you will use it, clear the way through you and around you and let your own beloved I am presence pour forth into you its victory of eternity, until there blazes through you everything that gives you the ascension, because it has consumed everything that is of limitation or delay. In your own victory you can offer that same assistance to the rest of life, and when you don't want the rest of life to be free, you'll be bound in distress until you do, because you can't have freedom unless you give it. You can't have love unless you give it. You can't have the fulfillment of the divine plan unless you help to fulfill that divine plan for the rest of life. Beloved Elohim Hercules Our use of the sevenfold flame of the seven mighty Elohim, and our love from the great central sun, is the only way and means life provides for the mankind who embody in this world to be purified and raised and fulfill the divine plan to enter into the ascended master's octave and leave the mistakes of human creation forever consumed in this world, and the world, purified, becomes filled with the ascended master's perfection of eternity. Only the sacred fire love can fill it with that perfection. Blessed ones, I simply offer it to you tonight for your use if you will call it into outer physical conditions, but first of all, fill yourselves with it, because you must become it. Then give it to the rest of life, and you will find your pathway illumined and clear, and the fulfillment of the divine plan will bring blessings to you and the rest of life wherever you go, and you are no longer held in the distress of outer world conditions. I commend you to that which the mighty Saint Germain has opened the door for you to have by the use of the violet consuming flame, to consume everything that is a barrier between our sacred fire love and the love in your own heart, and the sacred fire love of your mighty I am presence, and if you will let it come through, you can be at peace. You can give that peace to others, and wherever you go, purity takes the place of mankind's evil. I hope you want to be a part of our victory and mastery over everything in this world that is not the ascended master's way of life for eternity. I clothe you in the miracle mantle of my sacred fire love of the seven mighty Elohim, and may it hold you in its heart and make you feel its peace for eternity, and power without limit is then yours to use in outer world conditions, till your victory is everywhere forever. Thank you with all my heart. Beloved Elohim Hercules <laughs>